My name is Jeremy, and this is Good Beer Matters. I started to see a, a huge gap with beer education. There's not good enough communication between a brewery and the consumer. One is the language barrier, two is uh, I think the visual beer education helps a lot in uh, bridging those gaps. When we think about beer and beer culture, our thoughts naturally drift toward the classics and the current global beer hotspots. But as we look to the future, this is all going to change. My next guest is one of these change makers and the first advanced Cicerone in India. A great experience lies at the intersection of craft and culture. These are the stories of us, of great food and the beer that brings it all together. For the craft and culture of beer, this is episode 118 of Good Beer Matters with advanced Cicerone Anyadeep Mutyala. All right, so uh, welcome to season six of the Good Beer Matters podcast, where we begin a worldwide virtual tour of uh, the beer experience. Um, and uh, and so now, if any of you are listening to this, just know that we are also doing this, we, meaning me, uh, are doing this in video as well. So you can also go watch this if you're listening to this and, and vice versa. But um, yeah, we're, we're starting out this new season. The theme is, what is the beer experience uh, from around the world? And today I've got a, a, a colleague, an advanced Cicerone, um, someone I've, I've had the pleasure of uh, studying with and training with uh, remotely, of course. Um, but uh, Anyadeep, uh, please introduce yourself and, and uh, tell us a little bit about your background in beer. Jeremy, thanks for having me on the podcast. It's an it's an honor to be here. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, I'm Anadeep. Uh, I'm a beer educator um, and a fellow advanced Cicerone, and I'm a BJCP judge, uh, judge at beer competition, commercial, and homebrew. Um, I've been exploring beer for the last uh, five or six years, and I was a mechanical engineer, made a career switch. Uh, I decided to go full-time on beer, uh, so here we are. Uh, yeah, there, there's there's a number of people who go off and do what makes sense on paper, but somehow they just get sucked into the tractor beam of beer. And here, mm -hmm. both you and I are in that same vein. <laughs> um, uh, so you said you're also a beer educator. Uh, tell us a little bit about your website and the beer education you do, and and most importantly, where you do it. I want a little bit of a kind of a geographic context here. Yeah. So I. Uh... I lived in the U.S. for five years, and when I went back uh, to India in 2019, uh, I went back to this place called Bangalore in the state of Karnataka in the southern part of India. Uh, most people think it's more like a craft beer capital of India because it has a lot of microbreweries than any other uh, state. Uh, so I moved to Bangalore um, and started exploring beers and started going out to breweries, talking to the brew pub owners and trying to really understand what's the cultures like and what people are drinking. And uh, I've been doing that for the last three years. And uh, um, I started to see a, a huge gap where with beer education. Um, there, there's not good enough communication between a brewery and the consumer. Uh, and I thought I could 
uh, I could really close the gap with the beer education. So I started out offering my services to breweries uh, and um, just in with the beer education, staff training, um, trying to help people understand beer better because like most of the people in India have never been exposed to these different diversified beer styles and they've never had many classic examples of styles because we don't have that availability of imports as much. And uh, there are people from different cultural backgrounds. So, you know, in India is like a, a big, big um, uh, hub for different cultures and languages. And so we have a lot of uh, barriers, language barriers, cultural barriers. So as a beer educator, it was it was quite a challenge to really get past that and to see to what what's the best way to communicate with different cultures and like how can I relate to these people better. So, I was doing I was trying to like uh, improve my uh, uh, expression of the way I describe beer to these people mm -hmm. from different cultural backgrounds. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, staff training with sensory tasting beers and uh, just trying to improve communication uh, from a staff to a consumer. Like, how can you put it uh, in a way where that it makes sense and it's not like you're not narrating the entire history of the consumer. You're just like being fast, being quick, but also being effective in delivering what that beer is about. And most of the time, we have a big challenge that in a fact, the restaurants, like especially on the weekends, it's a, it's a fast-paced environment, so you, you don't have a lot of time to c talk to the consumer. So, like, how are you going to make it more effective? So yeah. one thing that I noticed that people are missing was there's the, no, nobody is asking questions. So you, uh, yeah. I, I have a question to ask you if I can. Um, you know, one of the things, uh, one of the topics of conversation that has come up in the past that I find really fascinating because it really speaks to the, the the different nuances of culture and and one and one example that came up with is you know when we talk about beers with Britannomyces, um oftentimes we'll describe it as as goaty or barnyard or um I, I think of it it's as I get uh, leather and 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 like rodeo uh, smells and aromas out of that but if someone is from the inner city or from a different culture, they've never smelled hay. They've never smelled rodeo. They've never been around horses or, or anything that um, that we're known for in the, especially in the western part of the U.S. Um, uh, it, it'd be the same thing. It, it's like you know someone trying to describe this is what the, uh, this downtown um, metro major metropolis city smells like after a rain. But if you've never been there, if you've grown up in the countryside, then that means nothing to you. How have you uh, translated, given you, you have a, you're in a center of hub of cultures and languages and different experiences, how do you translate these aromas and these flavors to these different experiences? Some of that is uh, by letting them taste that example that you have in front of you and trying to, uh, let's say if, if that's a fruit and, and then we have like a different set of fruits like if you're talking about citrus fruit being more specific okay it's orange so what kind of orange uh so being more specific and letting them try the thing the exact things like if that's a fruit or that's a spice or herb flower so but i think there's the, the biggest thing is 
I felt was the language barrier uh, in mm-hmm. terms of communicating the beer flavor. So um, if you talk about orange or um, clove, banana, there are people that do not get it. Like they come from different backgrounds and, and English is not their first language. So okay, they yeah. grew up culturally in their own native they 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 don't know what it is in their native language so i got to really get in there to show them the pictures and uh, and then it clicks okay this is what this is what you mean by banana uh so one is the language barrier and uh two is uh i think the visual beer education helps a lot in uh, bridging those gaps uh and it's not just one thing right so we have like a a window of flavors that uh, you got to talk about. It's not just like, like you said, with bread and mices, it's not just like horsey. It's you got to be like uh, given more like a wider range of descriptions so that yeah. they can relate to at least one or two of those at the end of the day. So I always try to look for um, uh, like a set of descriptors uh, to see if that, if any of that, those descriptors click for them. You know, so it's it's not it's not easy. Even I'm like I'm in the beginning of this journey of trying to make the communication better, uh, and especially if you're from a different cultural background, uh, it's it's not as easy. So you gotta be switching to this visual beer education, trying to make sense with the pictures, trying to make sense with the videos, trying to make sense with the actual product, tasting the actual product in front of you. Um, so yeah. And it seems to me there's a, there's a certain degree of acquiescence that you, that you must give into, uh, to be comfortable with nonverbal communication. We're talking about aroma. We're talking about flavor. We, on you deep, you and I could be talking about a song. Um, we could play a song right now, whatever that song is, but if we're both digging it and our heads are kind of moving with the beat, then we're both feeling that same experience, but we don't have to really talk about it. I think just being being okay with that nonverbal communication. And I thought you put it perfectly. It's like, it's hard for me to describe banana. It's hard for me. Some of my favorite flavors uh, that I'll find in beer sometimes are star fruit or lychee uh, or tamarind. Um, When I find those, oh God, I just love them. But it's hard for me to describe them to an American who's never experienced them before. Um, And I do the best I can. It's like, you know, you know, here's a color you've never seen. It looks like this. I'll do the best I can, but you just have to experience it yourself. And then we'll nod afterwards. Right. The perfect example would be skunk. I always had trouble like when Northern America describes uh, the light struck beers as skunky. I -hmm. had no idea because we don't have skunks in Asia. So it's hard to relate to skunk spray. So I, I never smelled it and, and I don't know what it, what it is and and then when i started tasting the beers in those green bottles and when i did the the sensory off flavor practice and then okay there's there's this weird aroma uh that uh, i think it's i know it's off but i don't know what it is and then yeah. i started to make memory and say okay this might be skunk so <laughs> yeah and and that is a wonderful off flavor to not have ex- personal experience with. <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit more about the the current state of of beer in in India. I mean, the, you know, the hot spots that everyone talks about. You know, Germany, Belgium, uh, the UK, uh, even the US these days. But when it comes to India, the first thought in in my mind, and maybe I'm wrong, but is not ooh, what a great beer culture. 
but but help me understand the reality of of beer culture in india yeah uh i mean i've heard from a few people that they don't even think that indians drink beer <laughs> so <laughs> so i mean either uh, it was not known at all oh or it, boy. it has it hasn't been published anywhere or there might be a lot of uh, blurry lines in the history about uh, the culture of beer in india but i'm sure india has been uh, one of the asian countries that has a culture of drinking i wouldn't call i mean i wouldn't specifically say it's beer but alcoholic beverages the fermented mm -hmm. beverages uh, we've had a lot of old uh, historic references that dates many many thousands of years back uh, but when it comes to beer i think from what I know, especially if you look at 1970s and 80s, uh, the commercial beer was uh, ruling the market, the entire market of uh, India. So you're talking about like a population of billion people drinking uh, just commercial light lagers. Uh, from 60s and 70s, there, there were a lot of competition in the commercial sec sector. And then uh, craft beer is pretty young. Uh, I, I would say that the first the first known uh, brewery that is, was established was in 2008. Um, so we're like, like so very 15, young. 13 years old. So it's so young. Uh, and there were no microbrewery laws uh, with the excise. So people had to really sit down with the excise and uh, uh, write those laws for microbreweries in 20, 2006 and 2007. Uh, so um, then the, the culture has like uh, I wouldn't call it shifted but like if you look at people uh, the people drinking beers uh, in the rural versus urban cities there's there was there always has been a difference so in the urban cities you get some import beers and whereas in rural cities like you just drink commercial beers and then I've noticed the, the, the microbreweries started popping up in the the major cities and uh, people were making a switch from the commercial beer to craft beer in a sense where they could get the same thing from a microbrewery so they were preferring uh um so there are different set of audience right so pe there are people who wants a strong beer they don't care what it is they'll just go to the brewery and ask for a strong beer that's all that's all they want and there are people that want something that mimics the taste of a commercial beer because they okay. don't know what these beers are and because uh, they want beer flavored beer right that's it yeah. yeah so they were making a leap but not too much of a leap and they were like okay so i know my commercial beer and as long as i'm getting that kind of taste in your in a microbrewery i'm fine with it so they kind of like pivoted to drinking commercial lagers to craft lagers um these are like I'm not talking about Pilsner or Hellas. Uh, the microbreweries at the time started to make the same commercial beers, but in a small scale. So, and then there was a transition into um, um, uh, Belgian wit, Hefeweizen. So people mm -hmm. started drinking that. Uh, and I think it's largely driven by what's available in your imported, uh, in, in, imported uh, uh, beer brands. So I think at, at the time, who garden was uh, one of the brands that has been established in india for for some time and people are aware of what what kind of beer that is and then when breweries started making belgian wits uh they felt related to that and 
they were drinking Belgian wits. And I mean, even right now in 2022, Belgian wit is uh, the most consumed craft beer in any microbrewery. Um, I, I would say that because everywhere you go every to any microbrewery, you walk into any microbrewery, Belgian wit is, you can't, I mean, everyone brews Belgian wit. Yeah. And, and that's a good problem so, to have. It's a good problem to have, but yeah. uh, I don't know how long. That, I mean, I I still think it's a trend, you know. Like, you know, we we all go through different trends, right? So IPAs sure. and and so I I think in India uh, the current trend is Belgian wit and has been from the last decade. Uh, my only concern is uh, if you get too comfortable uh, in Belgian wits and you would not explore any other beer styles. Yeah. <laughs> If you get too used to Belgian wits, then, you know, th there goes any opportunity for like a double IPA or a Russian Imperial Stout or something like that. That's just pretty aggressive when you're, when you're accustomed to Belgian wit. If all right. you know is Belgian wit and you feel comfortable only with it, like with the communication. So you don't want to sound like a, uh, you know, inexperienced person and you're like, okay, uh, you know, I, I should sound like I know my beer and you walk into a brewery and you just all, all you know is Belgian wit and you just keep yeah. ordering the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Um, so along that vein, uh, culturally speaking, um, you know, how does the cult, the overall culture, uh, different aspects of the culture, we're talking like uh, the religion, the politics, even social hierarchies, how does that affect the choice to everyone start drinking instead of the, the mass produced lager? Now we're drinking Belgian wit and, and other aspects. I mean, how does that culture uh, unpack itself like that? So, uh, I would say one, one of the things that drove, uh, the microbreweries is, um, having a set of new excise laws, which allowed breweries to, um, start up in these major cities. And that kind of gave, gave an exposure to people, um, as, uh, about these different styles of beer. And also there was, uh, there wasn't many imported beers, uh, 20, 30 years back. And with the set of excise laws, I think the, there is, there, there was, there were people coming in from, um, different markets, um, um, with these, with these, some of these classic examples, although they didn't taste great because of the storage and, uh, transit conditions, but yeah. we had exposure to different, different beers. Um, but the biggest challenge, I think, uh, not a lot of things changed. Uh, even the, the reason you see craft beer, um, emerging in India, uh, in 2008, um, is the laws, the excise laws haven't been changed from the longest time. So people had to really fight with the excise and say like, Hey, this is, you know, this is what we want to do. And this is how we are different from the commercial beers. So that was a big challenge. So that's the reason why I think we were way behind in catching up with this, uh, culture, uh, of crack of craft beers. Um, so, uh, it's more like old school, traditional, uh, culturally, uh, um, uh, like it has, hasn't changed at all, uh, until 2000, like early or late two thousands. Uh, so now it started to make more sense because the culture has been expanding. Um, and we have more, more, uh, breweries 
showing up more uh, people trying different beers uh so india is a country rich in uh, spices and um we have different like different fruits than what we what we get in any other country so so we mm-hmm. and they're like brewers trying to represent india in uh, their beers uh with incorporating different spices and uh different fruits that reminds them of like a specific memory or a specific um uh time in the past uh so so i think i think to answer your question um it, it's largely driven by politics and the excise laws and who's in power and what rules they're making and that defined the culture for the longest time uh with the craft beer and do you see that there's um just more of a general overt resistance to change or do you see that the world is changing we need to keep up with the world i see a lot of resistance to changing uh i wish it was the other one <laughs> so i mean if 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 you think the world is changing and you're trying to catch up uh it's a different story but it's hard uh for for people in this in the space of of beer education uh to you you cannot change people because there's a huge resistance for change yeah. and um and that's that that's the biggest challenge uh because like there's so much good beer out there you just you know you just need to <laughs> get over that barrier and then start exploring yeah. beer so that has been a challenge yeah a lot of resistance well, and, and you brought up something too. Now, granted, uh, you and I are both advanced Cicerones. We've spent a lot of time studying styles and the nuance of the styles and how the styles are different and the same and everything. So, I mean, you know your styles really well. What I'm curious about, however, is how you mentioned you have all these wonderful spices and all these wonderful fruits. How are brewers, the craft brewers in India, taking these classic styles and making uh, very Indian variations of them how are they kind of taking this and making it their own um and and do you and sub question do you have do you see given 10 20 years out do you see that there will be some like india specific styles emerging yeah i think so right now uh there's like a really big trend of using local ingredients to make beer in india uh specifically mm. Um, the grains we have like a rich culture of grains so a lot of farmers farming lands agriculture and um, I've seen many breweries making beers with these different millets um, so mm. that I, I've never seen that and that was very fascinating that they're making some saisons with uh, some different kinds of millets and uh, using all those sort of local ingredients or lo- local fruit they harvest and come back uh, during the season and try to brew a beer uh, during the season uh, with with that fruit or trying to incorporate fruit and spice or herb and spice to create some kind of a specific flavor memory from your past uh, of that specific region so that has been very fascinating for me so but in terms of having a set of beer styles i would love to see like an indian uh, Indian beer style emerge out of out of this, hopefully. Um, but it really depends on 
how you define a beer style, right? So is it, it's not sure. just cultural thing. It's not just historic. So it has to be um, a combination of these uh, that defines a beer style. So I, um, you know, I really wish that that would happen in, in the, in the future. Uh, um, but right now we're, um, we're trying to explore local ingredients and try to create those, those, uh, I mean, the, we, I mean, brewers, <laughs> but some, they're trying to create, uh, a, a, a beer, uh, to, to evoke your, uh, sensory, to, to those flavor memories that from your past or your, your cultural heritage. So, and, and kind of along with that, you know, and granted the theme of, of, of this whole conversation, of course, is, is that beer experience. But you've had the benefit of, of traveling to the U.S. Um, you've had the benefit to travel elsewhere, um, I, if I remember correctly. But, but more importantly, you've been able to try different beers from around the world and kind of compare and contrast, you know, right? Um, how would you describe the, you know, if, if I go to India for the first time and it's like, I want to have the, the, the beer experience from India that only, I can have only there, wherever I am, I'm sure every region is going to be slightly different. How would you describe that experience? What, what does it even mean? I mean, I, I'm just going to leave that question right there. I, I could keep on going, but describe the uh, Indian beer experience for us. Uh, Right now, I I don't I don't see that happening. Like specific, there's there's no certain thing that you can call this is this is Indian uh, beer experience because it's so one part of the industry, the beer industry in India, is trying to ca catch up with the current trends, uh, mm -hmm. and there's another part trying to convince uh, uh, people. Uh, to change so okay. so so there are people making trying to catch up with the, the styles and there's people trying like not to change like there are like resistance to change they've been brewing the same beer for the longest time so go, i mean i don't see i don't see there's like a specific beer experience right now in india um there might be so i'm really curious on exploring this segment of if there's like a historical connection that we lost in between about the beer culture, because it's all, all I knew was the commercial beer when I grew up and that's it. And there, and, and I've heard stories of uh, beers being shipped to India from England. Um, but I've, I mean, there are no, like I, I haven't, I haven't read any article. I've seen some pictures. There's not much information out there. Um, maybe there's this is something that I need to explore. There might have been some styles back back in the day, uh, but right now the beer culture, um, Indianized beer cultural experience. I I I would say if you walk into a microbrewery, um, um, I don't know. I'm just trying to. Trying to well, come up with an answer. Well let, well, let me ask it this way, um, and, and maybe maybe I was getting a little too uh, woo-woo on that question. Um, if I were to come over to India, uh, where you live, and you're like, hey, right on, let, let's go to a local uh, craft brewery, um, and let's go grab something to eat and something to drink, what would I expect, or what can I expect? 
what what would we be eating? What would we be drinking? What are the options besides Belgian wit? Um, uh, what would you what would you recommend I try as a tourist? As a tourist, uh, you should definitely try beers um, that are especially beers made out of uh, uh, local ingredients. I would uh, so you and I are exploring beer in India, so I would just take you to some microbreweries that make some interesting beers with let's say goza with fruit and some saison with spice and uh, some but what what kind of fruit what kind of spices would would i expect um, to be in there it it's mostly seasonal uh but if you if you okay. if you're there during summer you see a lot of mango and guava beers and uh, during the during the fall you see some uh some jamun berry and in probably different winter fruits uh during the season so and obviously spices are there throughout the year but um we see a lot of spice uh, uh spice beers coming up in in the fall in the winter um so like summer jackfruit um is another mm. great fruit and, and a I lot of people jackfruit. make beers with jackfruit uh jackfruit. so yeah and and we have like hundreds of varieties of mangoes so people make and each mango tastes different. So it's oh, wow. you can't just call it mango beer and it's like oh this is this beer is made with this mango, and this beer is made with this mango. So you make like a mango pale ale or you can make a mango sour. They all taste different. The the way mango expresses itself in a beer, uh, uh, it's fascinating because there's like different mangoes coming from different regions. So. I think there's a lot of that um, with with interesting local ingredients uh, trying to. So I think you should explore beers made. I I, I would so I, let, let let me put it this way: when you come to India, you would have an experience uh, with the local ingredients showing up in these beer styles like saisons or gozas um, or even pale ales you'll have an expression of those Indian spice or Indian fruit, Indian ingredients. And, and you're not likely to find that anywhere else in the world, I suspect. Yeah, I'm not, not, I, I wouldn't say you wouldn't find it, but maybe uh, you wouldn't find the freshest version of that. Yeah. Um, what are your plans um, when, when you, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, let me, let me rewind that a little bit. Um, as you are now an advanced Cicerone, the first advanced Cicerone in the country of India, um, and you're a beer educator and you have this uh, burgeoning uh, um, craft beer scene, what are your plans to kind of help foster the growth of this, of this uh, emerging beer culture? Um, trying to sit down with the brewers and the breweries and uh, understand what their plans are in putting putting out the beers so that I'll have a better understanding on what these breweries are coming up with and then I then I should paint a picture uh, to the public about if there's that specific beer style that no one has heard of, or if there's 
uh, if there's like a specific flavor interaction that I need to talk about. Um, so my plan is to uh, make communications better uh, by bridging those uh, gaps um, with language, uh, gaps with understanding peer styles. Um, so yeah, so my my plan is to keep keep uh, the beer education keep moving forward with the beer education, uh, trying to try to be as as visual as you can with the education, uh, trying to try to be more practical, do more tastings, host more workshops for beer enthusiasts. So we have these uh, groups on Facebook that are uh, ten thousand people strong. So we we have a we have a culture of these beer enthusiasts trying to get out of their bubble and um, uh, trying different beers, supporting local breweries. So, I uh, we run this group called Friends of Froth on uh, Facebook. So uh, that's where we uh, communicate to the larger set of craft beer audience. Because if you look at the entire country, the craft beer drinking people are not not even like point one percent. So it's that small, it's that tiny. So the the commercial beer is still ruling the market. So my, I think, it's it's my responsibility as as a beer educator to find those audience, find those craft beer audience, and take this forward because I I can't do it by myself. Yeah. So I need to create more of this culture of beer educators who go forward and create those better experiences for customers. So that's that was the main intention of starting staff training at breweries because I want to establish a system in these breweries so that they wouldn't require anyone. They have a system in place for beer education whenever they have, they have a new beer coming on tap. They have this sensory training, uh, and they do it more often about with their regular beers. And how do you communicate better? So keep asking questions to your customers, like what do they like, what do they not like. If if your audience says, you know, I've been drinking commercial beer all my life, like how do you make sure that uh, they can take that leap? Uh, so you gotta ask questions like, what do you like? Okay, if you like something like a light lager, so we have we have we have a we have a Hellas, we have a Pilsner. So we, we have something similar, but that tastes better. So how would you communicate that? And uh, if, you, if you're if you a person who loves uh, these seasonal fruits and, you know, talk about the a, a beer that has, that yeah. kind of replicates that experience with that seasonal fruit. Uh, or like if, if you cook a lot with spices, like we, hey, we have something interesting that you can relate to because you, you said you like cooking. So we're going to bring you a beverage that, has the creates those kind of same flavor uh, experiences so <laughs> so how do you how do you do that so that's that's like you keep asking questions try try to know your audience better um, you ask better questions uh, and then so that's the way you can help them better so I've seen most breweries jumping into jumping right into the topic and it's like hey what can I get for you and then that's it yeah, and it's like, or or they recommend beers without even asking questions for like what you, what do you like, what do you don't like. No, and they're just like, okay, we Belgian bitter is our bestseller, and we want to sell that, you know. Yeah, and I, if I look back, why why there's a trend, why people are loving these styles? It's like one, it's highly drinkable, sessionable. And Belgian wit has fruit and spice, orange, coriander, and everyone can relate to that mm -hmm. in India. Yep. So, so I think it's, it's easy that, drinking, delicious, and complex, and yeah, easy to drink, and just uh, 
I think it, it sounds like, the, sorry, go ahead. As, yeah. As long as you give people something that they can relate to you're that's, I think that's, that's a sweet spot. So like you, you got to yeah. make them relate to something. Yeah. I, I, I find that kind of making those connections and leading them one step. It's, it's that classic. If you like that taste, this, you know, type of thing, not, not like, Oh, you like Belgian wit here, try this bourbon barrel aged Imperial stout, uh, you know, type of thing. It's, that's just too much of a leap. Um, most times I've, I, I found, I, I've tried that with a group of people wanting, Oh, this is amazing. Try that. And they just put this look on their face. Like, Oh, that's disgusting. How, how can you drink that? My bad. You're not ready for this yet. So we'll get there. Talk about the exciting parts of, uh, of that specific beer. So I, I see that happen a lot with IPAs in India. I don't know, for some reason, for most people, first thing that comes into mind with IPAs is they're bitter. So, uh, it's hard to pass that barrier. And as yeah. a, as a, as a staff, as a waiter, it's like, if you're trying to communicate your IPA, that should not be the first thing to talk about, you know, like, Hey, this is a bitter beer. Like you should not do that. Cause like when you say the moment you say it's a bitter beer, it's a huge turn off. Yeah. So why, talk about why would I drink th that? That yeah. sounds awful. I don't want that. <laughs> so for people who doesn't know what an IPA is, you should that would bitterness should not be the first thing that you communicate to your audience. So you should talk about all the good things that excites them. Like talk about those fruit flavors that the hops bring out. Um, so yeah, people want to drink beers that give their palate a big hug, not kind of punch it in the nose. Yeah. Know? So I mean, you can say you can give them a heads up that's going to be a, a little more bitter than the other beers that you offer uh but it should not be like the driving factor of describing that beer yeah. you should talk about all those interesting wonderful uh flavors fruity flavors uh that you get out of these ipas and then you can probably say like would you like would you like to try a sample like this is a little bit more bitter so you, before you order a full pint uh, i would like to i would like to give you a sampler like, you know, I mean, giving them the taster is the biggest win for me. It's like, if you want your customers to come back, if you want them to feel safe, if you want them to feel relatable, if you want them to feel heard, give them the samplers, let them decide. You know, one of the things I love doing, uh, whether I give someone a, a sample of uh, an IPA or a sour or something, if I see that they kind of, you know, ruffle up their nose and you can tell that they're not really into that beer, instead of just saying, oh, well, okay, well, let's try something else instead. I love trying to reframe how they view that. I'm not trying to convince them to enjoy an IPA if they don't like an IPA, but I love giving that to them, seeing that they don't like it, saying, okay, so that's how it tastes like this. Now, taste that again with this piece of food and notice how it changes. So I'm trying to pique their interest. I'm not trying to sell them on the beer. I'm just trying to help them experience, oh, this is not a one note, one flavor, one aroma wonder. It's it's something to be experienced and it changes. I, I find a, a great deal of giddiness when I, when I can bring someone through that little short experience. Exactly. I think this, this is where it's very important to like communicate, uh, keeping the cultural things in mind. Cause if, if there's an IPA that has like this kind of this candied orange, so talk about the specific brand of those candies that were popular when you were when you were a kid and mm -hmm. it's like oh this tastes like the those those hard candies that i used to eat so it's about those communications like how can you improve those uh 
communication. So you don't have to talk a lot about that beer. You just have to say just one single thing and that's it. So I would say like for something like um, for there's a there's a, a, a guava goza uh, with salt and chilies that I had at one of the local breweries. That was amazingly good. And uh, it had black salt and chili uh, with guava. It just reminded me of uh, uh, the uh, the a snack, a fruit snack I was having when I was a kid on the streets uh, that had like a cut slice of guava with like black salt and chilies. It just reminded me of that. And that's I'm, I, so I went back uh, with that memory and, and then when so there was like I was sitting down at the brewery and just having this beer and like really enjoying it and I was looking at uh, a bunch of dudes walk in trying to get or order beer and then I was looking at them and they were confused they, they, they wanted to know what beer they should drink and, uh, and they asked me what you're drinking I'm like uh, I told them this one thing that this beer just reminds me of uh, my experience with um, um, with with this guava fruit sprinkled with salt and chilies and that's it that's I didn't say anything about the beer. That's like no other descriptions. I just told that specific memory and they ordered it. They loved it. Yeah. So it's like, how can you uh, connect with those memories? And um, it's, it's not easy. Beer communication. You led, you led them on a flavor journey and that, yeah. that's cool. That's a good story. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, you may have already um, prepped for these final questions. Um, you, you may have heard these. So you, um, but I'm just going to kind of lead into our kind of a wrap up session. But, uh, but luckily tomorrow on your deep, uh, you get to be king of the entire beer world for an entire day. What's the first thing you would like to change? Mandate beer education in breweries. <laughs> <laughs> I Excellent. think, yeah, it's, it's very important to do that to cover. Yeah. You, you got to communicate better. Now, beer. is that just for staff? Is that for all staff? Uh, is that for staff and consumers? If you do that with staff, they're going to take care of it with the consumers. Perfect. Yeah. Love it. Um, so at the end of your uh, royal day as a king of the beer world, you get uh, the world is going to fly you anywhere you want to go and give you uh, whatever you want to drink and whatever you want to eat. So where would you go and where are you going to have? Man, that's, um, it's too big of a menu, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll go down to the beach and have, a uh, have this really fresh seafood with, uh, some really nice, uh, Saison. All right. Awesome. I love Saison. Uh, <laughs> I I I am a huge fan of saisons too, and and um, when I think about what I would answer that question, it changes day to day, moment to moment. But right now, I'm, I'm I'm with you with seafood. And, um, uh, the big big question is is you spend a lot of time studying beer, teaching about beer. You you invested your life into beer. Why does good beer matter? Why does it matter so much to you? It matters because it's not just about creating those flavor experiences. I think it's it's about bringing 
people together from different cultures. So beer is one of the ways of expression uh, to bring people of different cultures together. So and this, in this video, this podcast, this audio, whichever you're listening to, this is a good case in point. You know, you're from India. I'm from the Northwest of the U.S. And here we are uh, kind of having this conversation about beer. Yeah. If, if it it's wasn't for a good beer, we wouldn't have been here. I know because bad beer wouldn't bring us together. It'd have to be something else. <laughs> uh, if anyone's listening, if they're if they're curious and they want to know more about you and what you're doing or about beer in India, where could they go to connect? Instagram, Facebook. I'm at a beer guy. Um, uh, it's a b i e r g y, and uh, I have a website. It's a beer so you can follow me there as well. Awesome. Uh, and, and last thing, do you have any calls to action or any final words you want to share with anyone listening and watching? Uh, I have a podcast uh, that, you know, I, I forgot to mention. It's called At The Beer Savages. It's available on all these platforms. So we talk about beers from Indian uh, perspective, the trends in India, beer culture in India, and we bring in some guests um, it's not been active in the last few months because of my whole travel and uh, we're trying to bring it back busy. up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> trying to bring, bring it back up with Indian brewers and, um, um, more of that Indian driven beer culture podcast. Yeah. I, I can't wait to hear more about that and see how things develop in the years and decades to come with, with, uh, beer specific to India. Um, when you mentioned the hundred different varieties of mango, you had my attention cause I love mango, but I've only tasted one kind. And so, um, I'm, right. I am, I am immensely curious at this point, especially with the black salt and the chilies. You, you, you had me, um, at hello. Um, so anyway, many great things, <laughs> right on you deep. It's so nice to see you again, face to face, at least on video. Um, thank you so much for your work. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, becoming an advanced Cicerone and, and helping me along my journey. I, that's a little selfish plug. You, you were there part of this group and helped me get over that hurdle. And I'm immensely grateful uh, for that, but thank you for coming on and sharing this experience you have with the rest of us who are curious and, and want to know more, but Likewise thank you for me. being here. Thank, yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate what you're doing for the industry. That's a lot. Uh, it, it is honestly my pleasure, but thank you for saying so. Thank you. As we travel the world, or at least watch travel shows from our couch, we gain a sense of other cultures. Like Anthony Bourdain told us, you learn a lot about someone when you share a meal together. Just make sure you wash it down with a great beer from wherever you are. In the next episode, we visit with the beer writer to discuss war, words, and the uniqueness of Ukrainian beer. I'm on a virtual tour of the craft and culture of beer around the globe. I've put Good Beer 